Welcome to Girl, Water Your Grass. We talk about all the things to better yourself, your family, your career, your dreams, your goals, and your life, and how God's dreams over us are so much bigger than our own. We are just two girlfriends who grew up in the bluegrass state of Kentucky with five brothers each and have reunited to take our dreams to the next level. Now we're inviting you to get out of your own way, girlfriend, and come on this ride because on this journey of a lifetime, we never arrive. Welcome back to World Water Your Grass. We have a very special guest with us today. We are so grateful that you are with us. Father Don Calloway, the author of 33 Days to Consecration to St. Joseph, amongst many books that he has written. And we are just so grateful for you being here today. So welcome, well, Father. Father. Thank you, ladies. Yeah, good to be with you both. Thanks for having me. Maria, why don't you tell our listeners today what we're going to be talking about? So today we're going to dive into, you know, a lot of our, our focus in Girl, Water, Your Grass is about you know, watering our grass. What's it, what are we called to do right here, right now to really live the life that God has given to us, that his dreams over us are bigger than our own. And so we just, we wanted to have just invite father on to just share. He has such a huge devotion to St. Joseph. And he also through his, you know, priestly ministry has encountered many women, many men, many couples, and he's learned a little bit about relationships and a little bit about uh, a little bit as an understatement, you know, and how to live um, vocations well and how to live where we are well. And particularly, we wanted to dive into how do we live our femininity well to really help the men in our lives to rise up? How do we really practically help them? What are the tools that we need? How do we as women encourage the men to be like St. Joseph, you know, to be these godly leaders and to be these men who are, are standing up and providing and uh, just being the men that they're called to be. So that is the gist of what we're going to cover today. Who knows what other directions we may go in with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right. but other, so maybe just starting out, um, first of all, would you tell us that you have a huge devotion to St. Joseph and would yeah. you maybe briefly tell us how that started and how that mm. ties in for men and also for women. You know, there's some mm -hmm. significance with St. Joseph for women as well. So how does that even affect us? Yeah, well, um, for people who know my story, you know, I'm a convert to Catholicism. Um, I'm getting farther and farther away from that date now. You know, I'm getting older and older as the years go by. But um, I converted to Catholicism a while ago. Um, give us this, like the two-minute backstory yeah. for our listeners who may not know. Or you can give it five minutes. It's amazing. No, no, no. I'll, I'll give you the short one. I'm, I'm pretty, yeah. I know how to, I've been doing this for like 25 years. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you the 30 second version, two minute version, five minute version, two hour. Um, so yeah, so when I, I was raised in a really dysfunctional family, you know, having three fathers before I was 10 years old, um, wasn't baptized, didn't believe in God, and then got into some really crazy stuff in my preteen years. And then in my teen years, got kicked out of a foreign country in Japan, we were living at one point, and got thrown in, well, got thrown in jail several times was in two drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers, 
had long hair down to my waist, was a hippie living in a Volkswagen bus and going nowhere. <laughs> and then my family had a radical conversion to Catholicism, praise God. And I resisted. I thought they had joined a cult. You know, I had no idea what they were doing. But um, a couple years later, I got the divine two by four, I call it, where God hammered me with the truth. And I fell madly in love with Jesus Christ and everything associated with him. You know, the church, the sacraments, Our Lady, the saints, yeah. everything. And um, yeah, so I ended up becoming a Catholic and then got my vocation to be a priest. But the interesting thing is we were talking about, you know, Maria, about St. Joseph for me. How did that start? So when I had my conversion, I was a jacked up dude. I had a lot of problems. I had a lot of bad baggage. I had a lot of issues, a lot of wounds, because I grew up very much an aggressive heterosexual. You know, in the world, I was trained basically to score. That's what the world told me. And that's the examples that I was given. Remember, I had three fathers before I was 10. I mean, I, I was just everything I saw was just really flawed masculinity. So I went to St. Joseph and I asked him, look, you seem to be like the guy. I mean, God chose you to, as the stand in for the father and to be the husband of the most beautiful woman ever, I think you got it together. I don't. Help me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. I, need a, I need a pattern here because I've looked to all the rock and rollers and all the actors and all the sports people, and they're all flawed. So why do I keep doing this? I need to go to like the pattern, and you seem to be the one. So help me. And he did. And he still does. Um, so, yeah. So without him... Oh, man, <laughs> I'd be a mess. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I love them so much. Isn't it wild how we look everywhere? We look left, we look right. And then when we just get our eyes straight ahead, mm -hmm. why, why do we do that? Why do we veer off? And, and for our listeners, you know, we don't need to look to Hollywood. We don't need to look to the sports. We don't need to look to entertainment. Even our own, we're, we're all humanly flawed. We need yeah. to look to those who are living out the virtue that we know is going to lead us to truth, goodness, and beauty, which we're all starving from. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about um, St. Joseph's, really how he just lived out virtue. And, and my favorite virtue that he lives out that I think we all struggle with and should strive for is humility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's the best supporting actor in history, right? He doesn't even say one word. Um, but without him, the others wouldn't be able to get the job done. You know, he's the one who was able to serve his wife and his son for decades so that they could end up saving humanity that you know they could make their sacrifice on calvary jesus as god the messiah this, the only savior of the world but mary as the new eve the mother of all the living it's because of joseph that they were able to get there i mean think about it it was it was a lunatic who wanted to kill the christ child when he was a baby and it was joseph who saved him he's the savior of the savior not because he's god or the messiah he's not he'd be the first one to tell you that but he is a man. He is a real man. He's a servant. He's sacrificial. And that is just so huge because today so many people are confused about what it means to be a man or a woman. And they're, they're, there's this androgynous culture being created where sometimes it's very hard to tell and, and the roles get swapped whether it's in who uses the bathroom, you know, it's ridiculous, or who's able to play such and such a sport. Um, it's crazy times we're living in. And we've got to know the blessedness of the complementarity, not the competition mm -hmm. of the masculine and the feminine, and to enter into the dance, right? 
that's what Mary and Joseph teach us. And we need to all look to them to find this model of humility, of purity, of great love for one another. And you're not going to find it better than in Our Lady and in St. Joseph. Talk to us a little bit. You know, we, we hear the term a lot these days. And my heart's really gone out to, to men also. There's just such, a, you know, you hear this term toxic masculinity a lot, mm. which is mm. just, to me, it's, it's very heartbreaking. And it's, mm. um, and there is a crisis, I think, for authentic masculinity and, and authentic femininity for that matter. For, you know, for that matter, what does authentic masculinity and to actually be a man, what does that look like? You yeah. know, so a guy's listening to this, he's like, yeah, that sounds great, but I don't even know what that means. You know, the culture sure. that's so confused, what does that look like? What does that mean? Yeah. Well, I think it basically means like there's that phrase in theology, right? Grace builds on nature. So men, by the way that we're designed, we are physically strong, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I can swing an ax. I pretty much guarantee it almost better than any woman on the planet. Although there's a few, you know, uh, but I mean, we're just, it's just how we're wired. Right. So, but that strength that I have is not meant to be a strength that I lord it over others, that I abuse them with that strength. No, it's meant to be of service to others, especially to women and children. Not because I'm saying that I'm better. I'm not right? Actually, there's the feminine genius and us men, we mess it up constantly. And I always love to tell people the majority of the people at the foot of the cross weren't dudes. They were women, right? There was two to one um, ratio there, Our Lady and the Magdalene and then John, you know. So there's a complementarity of, of knowing your role and how to live it out. Sadly, and this is what I, in my younger days, participated in, and, and it caused so much damage as so many men have, They've used their strength in harmful ways to abuse others, to, to take advantage of the feminine mystery and its beauty and wonder for their own pleasure. And then they just discard, you know, the woman, leaving her so insecure and wounded and, you know, striving for affirmation and willing to do anything to get it. Um, that's, that's a form of toxic masculinity, you could say, right? It's not a fruitful, a good masculinity. So in order for us to get the proper understanding of masculinity, we, we should not deny our strength. You don't have to become a woman. You don't have to become soft and just constantly, you know, showing emotion. No, you have to have your strength, but you do have to use it in the right way, which is you can swing an ax and yet that same hand can caress a woman and, 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 and let her know that you are madly in love with her and, and, and will protect her and defend her. And that is what every feminine heart is crying out for strength and gentleness combined. Mm. That's true masculinity and manhood. Preach, Father. St. Joseph. <laughs> yeah, that's St. Joseph. Go. That's St. Joseph, the silent strength of the. And I think, you know, we live in this world of you do you. And, you know, I say all the time, God didn't tell us you do you. He said, I sent my only son, like you knew Jesus Christ, right? I sent my only son to show you how to live. And I, I look at the beauty of the, the, the brokenness of the family, but Mary, Joseph, and Jesus are that family example. And why do we look everywhere else? Because that's what we are starving for. And I think so much of this you do you culture comes from the wounds. Yeah. And we have to get back to the model of St. Joseph and the model of Mama Mary in order to heal those wounds. But if you've come from that wounded place, there is hope for you, but quit looking left and right and look to St. Joseph and Mama Mary. 
So talk to us about just the, the power of the, the influence of the Holy Family. Yeah. Well, it's huge because, I mean, the family in and of itself is the building block of civilization, right? So if that falls apart, everything crumbles. And sadly, that's what we're seeing today is this attack on the family and marriage is things are crumbling and everybody's, everybody knows you have to have something as a foundation, but they're trying to redefine it, trying to have modern families. And so they can't totally get away from it, um, but we're trying to make it how we want it instead of how God intended. And that's the important thing about how God intended it is that beautiful, again, that word complementarity. Because a lot of people think, well, when I enter into this commitment, I'm surrendering something to somebody else and I'm losing part of myself. Well, yeah, actually you are, but that's okay because that's how you're going to actually bear fruit. That's how you're going to you know, find virtue because you're sacrificing yourself for the good of another. When you don't do that, we just become selfish, self-absorbed, and we don't bear fruit. That's why we live in this world of a contraceptive mentality, both in marriage and in daily living. It's just, it's all about me. Mm. When marriage, God gave us to show, it's actually not all about you. It's about us. Mm. And we need to do this together. I think, yeah, there's so much we could go into there. Oh, there really is. And yeah, that's really what we do as strategists with the women's school is we are, have such a spirit of collaboration instead of competition, which I think is something we are missing in our culture today. But it really is, it's not even so sacrificial in a place of losing, but I, I find in my own marriage, it becomes a gift that I want to give mm-hmm. and to pour out. And it, because we know it's in giving that we receive, but being that we, we receive so that we can bear fruit and be that general gift from a place of generosity. Mm-hmm. And it just, if it's so true, it feels so good to be able to give. And it, you want to have that sacrificial gift mm. whenever you really do that, you know? Mm-hmm. What would you say, Father? What would you say to the person who's listening to this? And they're saying, okay, that sounds good, Father, but Jesus and Mary were perfect. <laughs> and Joseph was basically perfect. Because I've heard that said many times where they're like, they're like, I have our time really like, because they didn't have the same flawed situation that we have. Mm. how would you speak into those because usually those people are asking that come from like a very painful experience of their family life and they love the idea of it sure but for them it's like well that's not even a tale they don't even know what it's like right and i mean there's validity in, in that for sure in that they were not well joseph was not perfect in the sense of being god like jesus or an immaculate conception like mary but he was close, you know, as good as you can get. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it is a little different in that sense. But at the same time, if you think about it, we, because we are um, wounded by sin and our, our passions and reason don't always work perfectly together because of our fallen nature, we're born into sin. We can't even suffer right. Okay. So what I mean is when we're offered the cross and something to to undergo out of love for another, we can't offer really a perfect sacrifice because we're all confused and we're battling about, no, I want it this way. No, I want this changed or, or whatever it may be. But think about Jesus and Mary. They are perfect victims. They are perfectly able to sacrifice and suffer in ways that we can't even fully understand. I mean, th- this is so profound a mystery that, I mean, in heaven, you know, we'll, we'll get it, but here we won't. So we're working out of something that 
It's true. Um, we're sinners and it's different because they weren't, but their sacrifice is actually greater. The wounds that are inflicted upon them, they um, suffered in a way that we never could because to pierce an immaculate heart hurts more than a pers- pierce one that's already, you know, broke. So that's not to make light of anybody's suffering. Believe me, it's not. Um, but they know, they understand, and they themselves have emptied themselves out even more and forgiven those who wounded them when they were, they did nothing wrong whatsoever. I mean, you've got to see it that way. Otherwise, you, you can begin to look at them like, I don't identify with them at all. Therefore, I am going to look to the Hollywood people and the whatevers. No, you don't want to do that. Yeah. And then how about, let's, let's dive a little bit into as women, how can we really help and encourage the men in our life um, to be living lives of virtue? You know, what does that look like as women, you know, because we can never control another person. We can't make someone do, you know, something. And so what are ways that as women that we can in living out our femininity and living our feminine genius, Mm -hmm. how can we help to raise those around us and to encourage the men in that? And that, that is part of the feminine mystery and wonder is that you have an incredible ability to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And the ways that you would do it, sometimes it doesn't even have to be overt. It's just by your mere presence. I mean, think about what Our Lady did. Again, if you look to Our Lady, the model here, it wasn't even technically a request. She just simply made it known they have no wine. <laughs> Boom, you got wine. I mean, it, I mean, there wasn't even a question mark like, can you help? You know, no, she just said they have no wine that because a man, I mean, so many poets and, 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 and philosophers and theologians have talked about this. A man is, is governed by a woman. I mean, this is what makes the world go around. It's what makes men, in, instead of just being slobs lying on a couch, it's the reason we do anything basically is for this feminine wonder. I mean, it's true on so many different levels. So when a woman has that ability to elevate a, a man, she does it by subtle ways. Because I can tell you that as a man myself, and I, a lot of men I know, probably almost all of them, what they don't like is a super aggressive, dominating woman telling them constantly what to do. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good at all. It's that gentleness that gets them to do things for the sake of, doing it for for others and and think about our lady let's go back to the holy family could mary have prayed better than joseph oh of course right she's she's the immaculate one but she let and she wanted and she she allowed joseph to be the one to lead the family in prayer well that's pretty amazing Because a lot of men, they just think, well, my wife is better at it than me. You know what? She probably is. She probably is. Just like Mary was better at it than Joseph. That's not the point. Your role is to be the man and to do this for your wife because she is going to delight in it. When you're the one who takes the initiative as a guy to lead the family in prayer and all the observances of Christianity, that is going to be incredible. And when a woman lets her man do that, because a lot of women actually want to take that role away from the man. And they want to do it. And because you know you'll probably do it better. That's not the point. You got to let him do this. Mm-hmm. You got to let him do this. Because if you take that away from him, you're emasculating him. 
you're taking, you're usurping his role and there's going to be problems. The children are going to see that. And they're just going to think religion's mom's thing. But when dad does it, and when the wife delights in dad doing it, power is coming out of that house. What are some of the roadblocks that you see for women in the way of emasculating men? Because I, I, I see that happening a lot in the culture these days. Mm-hmm. Um, what, are, what are some of those roadblocks that w- women do that maybe unconsciously where they don't even realize that they're emasculating men? What are some things that as women we can be aware of uh-huh. in our behavior, in our the way that we come across, the way that we act, what are some ways that we can- Yeah. Not dressing scantily clad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true. I mean, that's a big, that is a big deal. Oh, no, it is a very big deal. Um, Because that, I mean, the guys have their own will and they have to make their own decisions, of course, but certainly you don't want to be baiting them. I don't even like to use that terminology, but I think you know what I mean. Like we're very fleshly. When we see that, we're just like, we hone in on it. You know, it's what we do. It's how we're wired. Um, so we have to practice our own virtue and, and custody of the eyes and intentions and so forth. But I think like as a woman, um, you want to, and men, I know myself here, we can be very stubborn. We can be very stiff necked and we know that something needs to be done, but the likelihood of us doing it when we're constantly being told to do it, it just decreases. It's like, uh, you know what, <laughs> I'm not going to do it now. You're just, it's annoying, you know? Stop and don't nag. That's a huge thing because I see that happen. Like as a priest, I talk to a lot of couples that they don't really come to me and say, father, our marriage is perfect. They always come to me because there's a problem. (laughs) And a lot of times when it's this particular issue, because there's other ones big, big time, it's that the man is just like, she's just constantly telling me what to do. You know, the, the honey do list is like forever long. And it's like, okay, all right, I know, I know, I know. There's, there's a time and I'll get around to it. Um, you have to give them space, just like the man has to give the wife space. I mean, it's, it, again, it's that dance. You have to respect each other and you can't degrade each other when things don't go perfectly according to your timeline. And that's hard because you have to be patient and you have to realize, okay, they might be going through something. I just need to back off a little bit here. Um, you know, so that they can do it. Um, because I know that, that they want to do it. It's just, mm-hmm. maybe there's something going on. I'm not aware of, you know, that's the selflessness of what marriage is, right. It's yeah. just mm-hmm. constant selflessness. And right. my druthers on why I think no one in Hollywood is married because Hollywood's all about me. It's all yeah. about my own promotion. Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, it's, it's, it's interesting, but yeah. we talk a lot about, Marie and I have all these deep discussions about the gift of free will being the greatest gift. And I love how you said that because every person has within them the, the goodness and we have the, we know what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And if you can help people gently self-discover, mm-hmm. it's so much more impactful when the light goes off instead of saying, you need to do this, mm-hmm. but leading them, allowing them to still have that gift of free will, which is such a gift, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's, we as women can lead with in that gentle way that you're talking about and drawing out how we all rise to become the highest version of ourselves. It's just like an invitation versus a nagging, mm-hmm. right? Right, right. And giving compliments is huge because if you can learn to, to say, wow, that was really great. Thank you for doing that, honey. That was, wow, thank you. you know, if you can say those simple things, I know for both a woman and a man, that goes a long way because then 
they don't get stuck in a pattern of not wanting to do it or, or leaving it too long to get done or whatever it is. Um, because they, they know that maybe an affirmation is coming, right? Mm. So if you do something, everybody likes to be thanked and to be praised for whatever they do. And so if you do something, if you get into that pattern, it's like, I'm going to do this for my wife because I, I, I know she's going to really like this. And then when you say to him, honey, thank you so much. And you give him that kiss on the cheek and, and you, you thank him for doing that. As a man, he's like, yeah, I did. <laughs> we talk so much about gratitude and how that changes everything. We challenge our listeners to every morning, think of five gratitudes and every night, just all the things you're grateful for, because I think it uh, allows us to see the little miracles in the day. Uh, God doesn't have this one big miracle in your life. He has so many miracles, as we talked about last week, um, throughout your life. And just mm -hmm. being so cognizant of recognizing that. Mm -hmm. One more question, I think, on a, on a practical level. I see so many people that are just living. And Maria, you could speak to this as the single one um, and father. Just They're living to find their Mr. or Mrs. Personally, I think, why don't you go become the person that you want to be? Because if you're at this substandard level of not living up to being that perfect person, to me, you're not going to find the right person, right? Mm -hmm. So if y'all could both speak into that, I think that would be really impactful for um, not just living the singlehood well, instead of mm -hmm. waiting to find your person. Yeah, I mean, you have to be comfortable in your own skin, right? And so it's good to, to, be, to love yourself, right? And to be comfortable with where you are, because in the present moment is where grace is. It's not tomorrow when you find the perfect man or the perfect woman, which would be a blessing, of course, but it's here and now. And so surrendering to the here and now is where your transformation is and where your holiness is mm -hmm. and where your virtue is. You have to be patient now. You have to be, you know, humble now, loving now. Um, is that trying? Totally, right? But that's, this is, you know, what life is. Um, it's a playground for growth and virtue and take advantage of it. Um, yeah, because if you don't, you can constantly just be looking at others and doing comparisons on a daily basis that just gnaw the mind and you just get so tired mentally from doing that. Be yourself. Um, there's a great book by Fulton Sheen called Three to Get Married. And in that book, he talks about, you know, how, you know, you have to make God the center of your life. Otherwise, you're not going to basically, even if you find someone, you're not going to know how to be able to give yourself to that person because you've been so self-absorbed um, that you don't know how to give, right? So I think it's a good thing. And like, I think it's applicable for everybody. Mm. Um, I'm sure Maria's got some insights on that too. I love that. That was actually, I was living with two of my best friends in Nashville not so long ago. And one of the things that we decided when we first started living together, we were roommates for well, two of us for seven years and then the three of us for about four or five years. And one of the things we decided was that, okay, we want this time to be preparation for our marriages, you know, for when God does bring that person. So we're like, how can we outdo one another in generosity? How can we practice love right now? How can we practice sacrifice? And that really became such a focus of how can we use these moments in a selfless and self-giving way that will prepare us for that kind of selfless love. And it's been really beautiful to see because two of the, the three of us are now married and the two that are, one of the things they said, they're like, that time was actually so good. They're like, it has made this um, transition 
so much easier because I, I was, you know, like I was so used to learning to give and to sacrifice and also receive, you know, that it shifted that transition to make it so much easier because I was already in that flow. And, um, you know, I think, I think definitely for me and a lot of the women that I walk with through the strategist program, through the, through the women's school that are single, um, we talk a lot, a lot about that idea of like using this moment today really well you know, to become the woman that God's calling us to be today. So working on my intimacy with Jesus, you know, creating a really deep heart relationship with him, working on growth as a whole person, you know, physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, in my environment and contribution, self-image, just as a whole person, not just one, one element. Um, and then number three, the third part of that being also, you know, what is my mission today? You know, what, it, what is the, the big dream also like, yes, I really desire to be a wife, a mom, but right now this is the reality of my life in this moment. And so what is the mission that I'm also called to, what does that look like right now? How can I love, like how St. Trez talked about, you know, my vocation is love and mm -hmm. all of this, like that is the overarching, you know, vocation and call is, is to love. And, um, and so if I'm doing that well, right here, right now, then I also create, and I'm being open. That also creates space for God to move that person as I'm focusing on him and doing the work that he's called me to do now to bring that person at his right time. Mm. Um, you know, that's, that's my two cents. That's great. You published <laughs> that. That's fantastic. I'm working on a book with it actually right now. Bob. It is. Awesome. This book she's got going on is so I good. Can see I'm it. Like, I can see it. Yeah. yeah. But it's, when, you know, that's right. I think the most interesting thing you talked about there is you, she asked a survey question. If you knew you were going to get married at the age of 42 and have this great guy, and you're 27 now, would, and you just knew this is when it was going to happen, how would you, what would you be doing differently now? And the answers were amazing. Hmm. Like, why are you waiting 15 years for your part? It's, it's really amazing. It was, it was amazing. Wow. So we, I have a band of women's ministry and we speak and sing and travel with that. And, um, and we did, we did about 69% of our followers are still single. The others are married, but a lot hmm. of single women really desire to be wives and moms. And so kind of on it, I was like, I wonder how many of them are like, just diving into life right now and really, you know, going after some of those dreams that maybe God put on their heart or those missions. And I was shocked at the responses where people were like, yeah, well, if I knew that God had something for me, you know, would bring that man, then I would be using this time right now to do, hmm. you know, go and do some mission work. And so, and so I'd be doing writing this book. I'd be like all these just beautiful things. Hmm. And they weren't doing any of them because they were sitting, they were so hmm. afraid they were going to miss the guy that they were hmm. like, going to somehow, if they, if they entered into this other part of their life, they were going to miss yeah. um, or, or somehow mess it up. And, wow. and, and I, I could be wrong, but I was like, I really feel that, you know, from my understanding of the faith, my understanding of who God is in scripture, that like, we actually, if we're doing what he's calling us to do and following that call and that mission today and here and now, he can bring that person at any point. And maybe the whole point of this mission is also because you meet that person in the process in your yes to the Lord, you know, cause you're both yeah. following the Lord yeah. in that. And, and I feel like if we're not using this time well, and if we're just wasting these moments to me, mm. that is such a tragedy. <clears throat> you know, there's mm. so many beautiful things that we could be bringing into the world and bringing people to Christ and to be making a difference. And, yeah. and those end up wasted moments. Yeah, no, well said. Fantastic. I, I think your insights there are tremendous. I think that's, I, I look forward to reading the book. <laughs> we'll send you one. We'll send you one. Send you a copy. Yeah. And you know, I think it just for all of our listeners, so many times as the married women, we I, or single women, you look and say, "I wish I had." We were just speaking to 
a family or maybe even as a priest, like, you know, you all don't have the community that we have. But as a mom with six kids, I'm like, can I please just get a minute of quiet? I love like, <laughs> all are so jealous right. of each other. And right. we just need to appreciate what we have that, and trust that what God has for us is so good that yeah. his dreams over us are bigger than our own. And yeah. when we're sitting around waiting for this, oh, when my kids leave the house or when they're all, you know, potty trained or when I find my man or, you know, when I have the perfect uh, community in the priesthood, when we're living like that, we're actually letting the devil in because right. we're not believing that God has this beautiful life for us. So we right. want to encourage you to just be where your feet are, to water your grass and to appreciate all the beautiful things that God gives us on a daily basis. Yeah. Father, just wrapping up, do you have any final um, thoughts? I would love for our listeners to hear where they can hear, where they can find more about you and your book, 33 Days of Consecration to St. Joseph, to look mm -hmm. to the virtuous person that we should be following. Yeah, so um, I do encourage everybody to do the consecration because it's for men, women, children, it's for everybody. We all need St. Joseph, you know. Um, some people have asked me, it's funny, I've had women ask me, Father, can I consecrate to St. Joseph? And I'm like, totally. I'm like, as, as if only men consecrated to the Virgin Mary, right? I mean, we, <laughs> we need a mother and a father, right? So um, that's the gift that Jesus has given to us in mm -hmm. Our Lady and in St. Joseph. And take advantage of it, especially now, because it's the year of St. Joseph, right? Yeah. Um, it only took the church 2,020 years to get this one. So we, <laughs> we better take advantage of it because we're probably not right. going to get another one during our life. And do uh, you have to be Catholic to, to do this? No, you don't. You don't. Because, you know, if you look at the life of Jesus, he entrusted himself into the care of Mary and Joseph, right? So that's biblical. It's right out of the scriptures. So as brothers and sisters of Jesus, let's do the same thing. Let's take advantage and get to know his mom and dad and, um, I think it's, it's only going to increase. And I use that word intentionally because the name Joseph, it means increase. That's what it, the name means. So <laughs> Joseph is the increaser, right? He wants to increase your relationship with Jesus. He wants to increase your virtue. He wants to increase your peace and tranquility where you are, right? <laughs> right here, right now. And that's a good father. That's what a good father does. He affirms you right here, right now. Yeah, um, and that's you're not going to find a better father in that than Saint Joseph. And so, yeah. So, if people want to get the book, um, it's now. If you, everybody recognizes it now, it's like all around the world. But the title <laughs> is Consecration to Saint Joseph, and we have a website designed just for it, where you can get the paperback, ebook, audiobook, Spanish, all that. It's Consecration to Saint Joseph org. Super simple. So super simple. super simple, right? So the book is Consecration St. Joseph. The website is consecration to org. So yeah, check it out. I think you'll like it. Check it out. And if you want some other reading material, I've read Under the Mantle and Champions of the Rosary. Father has great, great books. It's definitely worth your time and will definitely move you, not only your spiritual life, just in your life. And it's great, great writing. So we just, we thank you for your yes. And um, thank you for the impact you've had in my life. I didn't tell that story, but we'll tell that on another episode. So <laughs> father was enlightened today on how his eyeball looking at me waiting for my yes has uh, really moved me into action. So I'm so grateful for you and for um, just the Lord making you a conduit for his grace in, in my life. Is there well, any you. final thing you have to say to our listeners today? Yeah, I guess I would just say, you know, all of these things are wonderful to say, to speak and all that, but let's all also take it to prayer because it's in prayer that we really, things come together. 
Because, you know, without that communication with our Lord and intimacy with him, sometimes we can just overthink it and we can just mm. go mindlessly and the mind doesn't shut off. Let's just take it all to Jesus, fall madly in love with Jesus. And he knows what is best for us. He's got a plan for us. You're not forgotten. He's madly in love with you. Mm. Let's be madly in love with him. Let's spend time with him in prayer and then we'll have peace. We'll have peace. Good. Thank you so much, Father. We appreciate you. And everyone, thank you again for listening. If you're all out of your grass. And we'll see you.